Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock. Aaron has served as a pastor, chaplain, professor, writer, and speaker, and he has a keen interest in helping other Christians to think Christianly about all of life. On this show, we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you to lead better now. I'm your host, Chris Yeoman, and today we're bringing you part two of a series Aaron has been doing on father and son relationships. He had the opportunity several weeks ago to sit down with his sons, Josiah, Levi, and Simon, and ask them a variety of questions on biblical manhood, what it was like to grow up in the Rock household, how discipline was received, and many other great questions. If you haven't listened to part one of this series, we'll post it in the show notes for you. It'd be really helpful to set the context for this second part of the conversation. But we know it's been a blessing to many of you as you've been able to take a little glimpse into what it was like in the Rock household growing up and just to glean those biblical principles and lessons that they were able to implement, uh, not perfectly, but faithfully. We hope you're blessed by it. And here's part two. So this is uh, part two of uh, a conversation I'm having with my uh, three sons. And in the last episode, we, I think, covered a fair bit of ground and talked about father-son dynamics. Um, if you're just joining us again, uh, what what I asked is uh, I, I approached some some men in our church and I asked them for some questions. I said, you know, if you were to, if you wanted to listen in to me having a conversation with my boys, what are some of the questions that you would would uh, would want to ask, and so they they readily submitted uh, several questions, and we worked through some of those in the last episode, and we just want to uh, pick up on those again today. So if you're just joining us, uh, I'm with my son Josiah. Josiah is 25 years old. He's serving at a church in in Kitchener, um, and is going to be taking a position as a worship director at a church in Brantford in in October. He's married to Rachel. They've been married for four years. And then I'm joined with my son, Levi. Uh, he's 22 years old. Uh, he's a co-owner of a business and a tradesman. And uh, they have a, a little girl uh, who's about, what, four months old now? Yeah. Uh, her name's Willow. And then we have uh, Simon. He's our youngest. He's 20, youngest son. And he just married uh, Natasha in in July. So I have we have Rachel, we have um, Julia, and we have Natasha as our daughter-in-laws. And of course, I do have two daughters as well, but uh, this conversation is about father-son relationships. And so it's it's a delight for me to have my three boys join me on this podcast. So just continuing on to some of the questions that were submitted, um, father-son relationships are in the younger years, a lot about being equipped. So my job is to equip you for adulthood in part, you know, to keep you alive, uh, to discipline you, to teach you to read and write and to help you to grow into a functional adult. But then as Christians, we also want to shape worldview. So we're always shaping worldview. We want to, we want to instill Christian virtues and values in our children, we want them to think Christianly about all of life. And we obviously also want them to, come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and equip them for, for life. And w- one of the most important things that the most important relationships that fathers need to equip their sons for is, is marriage. And so I want to talk a little bit about uh, marriage uh, with you guys. 
one of you has been married for a few months. One of you has been married for two years. One of you has been married for four years. So you're still, you know, r- relatively newly married. If you had any advice that you would pass on to other fathers, fathers of sons that would help those young men to to also be equipped for marriage, what what are some of the lessons that you've learned from my discipleship of you, from other men in our church, from our church in general that have been helpful for you? Again, we live in a culture that's kind of anti-marriage. Uh, we live in a culture that delays marriage, I believe, far too long. So what are some of the critical lessons that you've learned as young men that's helped you in your marriage that you'd want to pass on to to other men? Want to start us off, Joe, since you're the old veteran? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I think making, um, confessing sin between spouses a regular part of your marriage is an incredibly important thing. That only, I think some you know what I used to think, and I believe what the tendency to think is, you know, if I confess sin, if I admit that I'm wrong, then, you know, maybe she's not going to follow my lead because she thinks I don't know what I'm doing. And 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 and, and those kinds of thoughts start to creep in. Um, but when we make confessing our, our sins to each other a, a regular and normal part of our marriage, that communicates vulnerability it gets just good conversations going in general about how we can do better as husband and wife. Um, and it also, you know, this kind of sounds funny to say, but like lets your wife know that you're not perfect and that you don't think you are. Um, all of those things, although it might seem counterintuitive, really bolster uh, a, a guy's ability to lead in his marriage um, and lead his family. And, uh, communicate just a, a dependency on the Lord. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah, that, that's good. Um, I mean, that principle applies to pastoral leadership, to diaconal work. Uh, if if you as a man in a position of influence believe that projecting yourself as the perfect guy is the way to get people to follow you, you're very delusional. Uh, some people may be duped for a period of time, but as soon as you mess up one time, they're going to be absolutely shocked. Whereas if you just tell them from the beginning, you know, I have issues <laughs> and uh, you also admit those issues, that's important. Obviously you want to be, you, you don't need to, there's no place in the Bible that says we need to f- confess every single sin, every thought, every deed to everyone. And there are some people even outside of marriage, of course, so we'll use it to their advantage. I've learned this in ministry. Part of me would just like to tell everybody about all my sin, but sometimes I have to speak in generalities because I know there's there's people that are looking for holes in your armor because they want to fire an arrow in. They, they're looking, they're generally people that are anti-authority and they're, they look for weaknesses in leaders not so they can help that person improve, but so they can tear them down. So there's obviously some wisdom and discretion there, but I think I think what you said is is really good. How about you, Leave? Um the the main thing that's coming to my mind right now is is definitely just look for um older examples of of godly marriages that uh you could learn from. Um so we the three of us were obviously blessed to see what 
um, a godly Christian marriage looks like in our own household. Um, but um, growing, getting out of the house too, it's been a benefit to me to see other, especially other um, godly marriages that have very different personalities than you and mom do because it just gives gives different perspectives into personalities because our spouses are not going to be, and we are not the same as you and mom are. So that's been super helpful. Um, and, and yeah, just as, as a man, not also isolating yourself as the leader of your household. Um, you're still a man, you still need God as the head of your relationship, but also you also need other men to speak into your life and give them permission to keep you, I guess, accountable, um, to some degree or another. Um, one thing I have said to Julia that other guys have said, I, it, it almost sounds like a joke, at times, but I said, like, I, I'm going to be a better husband to you if I do spend time with other, other quality Christian guys. And yes, we're going to joke around and have fun, but we're, we're generally going to, to dive into things we're facing in our marriage, the good and the bad. And we can encourage and galvanize each other to be better husbands and spouses to our wives. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what comes to mind. Yeah. I was going to say one thing I think that, Obviously, I'm new to marriage, so I'm still kind of in the early stages of figuring out what it even means. But one thing that I've learned from um, your and mom's relationship is um, you guys always did a very, a very good job at at showing the value in each other's strengths. Like, of course, you didn't just say like, "Yeah, I'm perfect in all these areas and whatever." Like, um, you were humble enough to say, "Look." I'm not good at, at certain things. Mom's not good at certain things. Mom's also great at some things and I'm not, and I'm also great at some things and not being prideful in that, but just recognizing your strengths and weaknesses and working in tandem in your marital relationship and in the way that you parented us. Um, and just, just not being afraid of, of, um, you know, of, I guess being who you are, but not in like the flaky sense and, and, but in like a raw, like masculine and feminine sense. And so I valued that from your relationship. And one thing that that I've, uh, I'm, again, I'm still kind of in the process of learning in my own relationship is is taking those principles of, you know, like uh, talking about your strengths and weaknesses, and also um, encouraging each other in your strengths and weaknesses. I'm I'm trying to learn those things as well in my relationship. Being like, yeah, look, there's some things I'm good at, and some things I'm not good at, and there's some th- things that Tasha is is great at, and some things that she's not great at. And, and that's okay. And that's part of being in a complimentary relationship. Um, and, and just talking about those things and, um, seeing those things as valuable, uh, I think is also very important. One of the things I appreciate about marriage and, you know, mom and I've been married now for 28 years, I guess, is, and this, this might sound, this doesn't come from my flesh because my flesh is naturally opposed to this, but I, in my spiritual man, I've learned to appreciate the vulnerability of it. Uh, you can say what you want, do what you want when you're hanging around with your buddies, and if they don't like it, whatever. But there's consequences to the way you relate to your wife that are on a whole different level. And the vulnerability of knowing that you have the capacity to destroy each other or absolutely bless each other is a gift. And even in the radical differences, and they are significant, the differences between masculinity and femininity, which often leads to conflict in relationships, I think we need to reframe it. 
as an opportunity to grow and to develop. There's something, I just find there's something fascinating and mysterious about your mom. I can never really fully figure her out, but that's good for me. And then of course, in my flesh, sometimes that frustrates me. And sometimes I frustrate her, but God created us male and female, and there's a lot of blessing in that. And if we can learn to benefit from the differences rather than think the differences are automatically going to lead to, lead to conflict or breakdown or divorce or these sorts of things, we can really, God really uses marriage, I think, to sanctify us. I'd say it's, it's the most sanctifying relationship, you know, I've ever been in. And you know, relatively speaking, your mom makes it kind of easy on me because she's <laughs> she's she's a godly woman. We're all growing in that area. And just one of the questions I was asked, we've talked a little bit about um, your relationship with your dad, but you've all inherited a father-in-law as well. And uh, one of the questions I received from another guy is, could you ask your sons just to kind of comment, like how how have they develop relationships with their father-in-law. Now, unfortunately, I know Levi just lost his um, father-in-law this year. Unfortunately, Julia's dad passed away of cancer just um, a month or so ago. So uh, I don't expect you to comment on this, but just uh, how, how have you kind of stick handled this new thing called a father-in-law? And Simon, I know you've known your father-in-law your whole life, even though it was before he was your father-in-law, but how have you how we tried to develop uh, those relationships so they could be a blessing to both parties. Yeah, I think I've tried to uh, go out of my way to just spend time at my in-laws house and hang out with them casually. Uh, even if there's nothing specific planned, um, they live between where we live in our church. So it's pretty easy for us to just head over to uh, Rachel's parents' house after church and hang out with them and just spend time. I think that's probably the best way to build relationships with each other. Um, and then the other thing I, I've tried to do is uh, take an interest in what he's interested in. So this is going to expose me as a bit of a nerd. Um, <laughs> but Rachel's dad really likes building model airplanes. So you're and saying so, he's a nerd. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, but he started getting me model I, I like star wars and so he started getting me model star wars spaceships for christmas and stuff and okay. we go downstairs every once in a while and build models together and it's uh it's nerdy and it's dorky but it, i i think it's a lot of fun it's good yeah i was gonna say i have it in terms of my father-in-law about it as easy as it gets i don't know if any of the listeners know my father-in-law jim but he is a, an awesome guy and a, a funny guy and a cool guy cool guy to hang out with um so yeah, I think uh, the biggest way would probably just be, um, you know, hanging out uh, at family gatherings and just talking to them. And uh, and also, especially as we dated, uh, not being overbearing or weird about it, but just trying to, to show him um, in a casual way that my intentions with his daughter were were pure and that, that um, you know, I actually, you know, was, was headed towards marriage and and I, I wanted to love her and be respectful of her and also be respectful of his boundaries uh, that he had set for her and for our relationship as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's super important because um, I think, um, you know, respecting your father is important, but especially if you're courting his daughter, um, it's very important that he sees that, um, you know, that you want to respect him as well and respect the the rules and boundaries that he sets. So. 
The, the way you treat your father and your father-in-law and other older men in your life also communicates to your wife the kind of man that you are and how you want to be treated. I often say to young men, if you're going to date a girl and you ask her out, let's say you go for a coffee and then perhaps it works out well and you go for another coffee and then you go for another coffee or movie or whatever it is, you know, you might go out a few times, but after the third time, you need to have a, a chat with her dad if if her dad is is in her life and just say, hey, you know, I, I have an interest in dating your daughter more regularly. Are, are you okay with that? And I, I have an expectation that uh, that would happen with... Um, uh, with your sisters and Daniel, my son-in-law was honorable in that regard. And, uh, my other daughter is dating a guy now. And I also would expect that of him. And when you, when you as a, if you're listening and you're a young man, by asking your potential girlfriend's father permission to even date her communicates male headship, that you respect male headship. And that, that's a win for you too, but it's also a way of, of, uh, honoring, uh, him in his role. And of course, you're going to run into the father-in-law or future father-in-law or whatnot that just doesn't even care to be asked, but ask anyway, because it's a way of also helping him to be reminded of his uh, rightful role. I remember on a couple of occasions, us talking about fear and respect. And this is an, an interesting dynamic that many people think about when it comes to a relationship with God. What does it mean to fear God and respect God, but not live in terror of God? And that, that principle transfers over into father-son relationships. So um, I, I assume if, if your relationship with me is anything like my relationship with my dad, there were times when you were genuinely afraid <laughs> because maybe you transgressed. Um, uh, if you're talking to a young man who maybe couldn't differentiate between the difference between fearing your dad and living in terror of your dad and respecting him deeply and and you know for his own benefit and yours and in order to glorify God how how do you think what, what advice would you would you have um, for them these are things we often hold in tension how, how do we how do we learn to respect our dads without living in terror of them and what are some of the practical ways? that young men can show respect uh, to their fathers that show them the honor that they are due and also set you up uh, to be honored when your time comes to be uh, a father and a husband. Yeah, I, I would say um, one thing, one time in, in during my, my teen years, uh, earlier teen years that I remember is uh, we were having a conversation about about something. I don't remember what it was. I, I think it might have just been uh, something that I had done wrong, and we were just talking through, um, to, through all of that and talking through my relationship with you. And I remember one of the things that you said uh, that always stuck out to me is that you you at that time you said you you didn't remember me ever saying anything to encourage you as your father. And I don't know if you remember, but remember that. But that actually stuck out to me. And at first, it was hurtful because. Um, I had never really thought about that before, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized that even though you were my authority figure, you still uh, like you still appreciated respect and specifically encouragement from me as your son. And so, um, and I think for me naturally as well, encouragement might, might not be my my number one strong suit, but I I tried 
um, you know, after that, to be more aware of that and realize that like, you know, if you put effort or time into our relationship to actually say something and, and, uh, to be thankful and to, to actually communicate that instead of just assuming that you knew that because I, I did very much uh, appreciate you and uh, I, I think I desire to encourage you but it is something that, that I was never intentional about um, and so I don't know if that's uh, that's applicable to other people but I think um, just recognizing that even if your dad is your authority figure one thing one way that you can respect him is by by making sure that he's encouraged and that uh, you appreciate all that he does for you yeah, we talked in part one about discipline. And as a kid, being disciplined, I don't think I necessarily could have thought about it in these terms or with this clarity, but I could always tell when discipline was coming from a place of like an emotional reaction to what I had done versus a principle um, that I was breaking. And the emotionally charged discipline always bred more fear in me, whereas discipline coming from a place of principle always bred respect, even if I didn't really feel good about it at the time. And so maybe that's talking a, a bit more to fathers there and how they discipline their kids. But I read a really good book earlier this year on the fear of the Lord and a quote uh, that the guy included, I think it was from John Bunyan, the guy who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. He said uh, something along the lines of, of the of right fear of the Lord falls on its face before the Lord, but it falls towards the Lord. And so I think that having a rightful fear of your dad in the, in the sense of respecting him, um, the way you know whether it's sinful fear or or it's a, it's a right respect is if if you're shrinking back from him, if you're avoiding him, if you're trying to hide things from him, that's probably a bad situation. Um, whether your dad is at fault for that or, or you are, or the son is, or maybe there's a bit of both in there. Um, but a rightful respect of someone will always lead you to draw closer to, to them, no matter uh, if it feels good in the moment or not. So in, in moments, dad, where you disciplined me out of principle, uh, even if I didn't like it, I always, I always knew, yeah, he's, I, you know what? He's right. Uh, I'm wrong. And I want to learn from him. Um, I would say a, a huge part of um, the balance of that. Cause again, I don't actually, I don't think it's a bad thing for you to fear your dad to some degree, um, <laughs> in a, in a healthy way, but, um, a huge balancing act to that. What I would say would be, um, as a younger kid, I, I was a lot more into sports and you didn't have any interest in sports, but the times that you would like, would come out and play basketball with me or would come to basketball tournaments and stuff like that, like grew my fondness for you a lot because it showed showed me that you cared about what i cared about as well mm. even if it didn't matter to you didn't i didn't i beat you in a game of 21 no nope. <laughs> <laughs> um i think you were ahead and you let me get ahead that i beat and you were mad yeah. you let me get ahead <laughs> yeah um so i would say a huge part about getting your getting like respect from your kids is also them seeing how much you love them um as well so it it almost like those types of things almost turn like go from like someone that i'm afraid of to like not 
I guess older, not older brother, but like father figure in the sense of um, like someone to look up to someone that I want to be like, and someone that's taking interest in me. Um, and all, and as, as we got older, I would say definitely the, um, uh, the Monday nights out was huge because as a kid, it was a lot more short disciplines. Like you did something wrong, you're getting disciplined and this is it. Whereas when we got older, it was usually long conversations for you to explain what I was doing wrong, um, or where I needed to approve or improve and also explaining stories from you growing up. So hearing, hearing like the human side of your dad is a huge one too, I would say, um, to build that healthy uh, balance. I've thought about this with regard to our role or our relationship with God. So on, on one hand, God has a role. He's God. He's creator. doesn't matter what we think, how, what we feel. We must obey him. He is the creator. We are the creature. So in his role, he is owed our homage. But the beautiful thing about the Christian God God of the Bible is he is also in addition to his role a relational God and as a relational God there's enjoyment that comes from obeying him and following him and in my mind that's where we as Christian dads want to get we want to guard our role we want to make sure that our children obey us because we're the fathers that's the way it is we're not arguing the point you're the child we're the father one day you'll be the father and you'll have your own children, Lord willing. But then when you add that relational component on top of it, it, it it's easier for the child to, to want to obey, to uh, want to have a relationship, to yearn for a relationship with uh, their, their father. And so that, that, that the dynamic there of our relationship with God has direct bearing upon our relationship with, with our own sons and with our own fathers. Did you guys ever feel pressured to go into pastoral ministry? One person asked me that. Uh, I think we probably, if I recall, I could be wrong. I think we probably had a conversation. Josiah's in pastoral work. Levi and Simon are in the trades. Talk talk a little bit to, to this point. Did, did you ever feel pressured to go into pastoral ministry? Or for those of you that are in the trades, did you ever feel diminished or in any way, shape, or form not encouraged to do something vocationally that was different than what I did? I would say you identified that when we were younger growing up that that would kind of be a thing that that you might feel that way. And so you made it very clear that um, you'd be happy if we did, if we were called into that, but you weren't expecting that. So I wouldn't say I, wouldn't say I felt pressure to go into it. Even though we went to, we went to a Christian grade school actually got made fun of a lot for being a pastor's kid. So as a, as a young kid, there's almost like a little bit of embarrassment for some reason, just because of being made fun of for it. Um, and getting older, I would say I, I, I'm, I'm was not at all opposed to it. Um, it was just, I, I didn't feel that, that calling in my life. So I wasn't going to push something that, um, that, that I didn't sense was there. Um, but I definitely never felt pressured by you or mom. Maybe there was outside jokes or things like that, but never, never within our home. Did you feel affirmed in the career of your own choice as your calling? I would say 
um, again, in the world that we kind of grew up in, it was all about university. So I did feel pressure to go to university um, as a teen and kind of making that decision where I wanted to go with my career path. Um, but again, not by not by within more just by the culture around us so not pressure from mom and dad but yeah. pressure from the, the culture to, yeah. to pursue university yeah. yeah yeah i would say uh sorry uh i would say um the a similar thing because i never i never felt that from you or mom because i do remember multiple times when we were kids um you emphasizing the fact that ministry is not um it's not for everybody. And that's also a calling. It's not just a job that you fall into. Like it's a calling from God to, to minister to other people and to vocationally do that. Um, but I would say not, not extremely, but there is a bit of a pressure, I think from, from outside, but also as a younger kid, you know, um, when Josiah first, I would say went to Bible college. Um, and before Levi kind of made a decision about what he wanted to do, uh, for a career, it was like, oh, well, if my dad's a pastor and my older brother is going to be a pastor, what if Levi goes to be a pastor? Then I kind of have to be a pastor, right? So there's kind of that dynamic in my mind a little bit. Um, and then there are also obviously the odd comments from people at church or whatever, like, oh, your dad's a pastor. Are you going to go become a pastor too? Um, and it's something that I also had to kind of wrestle with. Um, yeah, I would say I I think I just kind of came to terms more with the fact that um, you know, I still, of course, had a passion for serving the Lord, but I never felt a direct calling to go into vocational ministry. Like I, of course, I wanted to serve at the church and, and honor God in that way. Um, but yeah. And by the way, I'm not sure if we talked about it earlier, but just talk to our audience a little bit about um, some of the areas in the church that you've served in, Simon. Yeah. So I, um, when I was a younger uh, kid, um, I served in the children's ministry. So I did that for several years. Um, and then while I was doing that, um, when I first got into to junior high, like when I first joined the, the junior high ministry, I joined our worship band. Uh, so that started in grade six. And I, uh, through that, I ended up going all the way until grade 12. So from grade six to grade 12, um, jumping from our junior high ministry to our senior high ministry, um, all the way through that, I, I started singing and playing guitar. Um, and then I think it was the last year or two of high school, uh, like grade 11 and 12, when I eventually joined our Sunday morning worship team. Um, and so it was actually kind of funny how it all, all led, it, led to each other and how I, th I think God used that ministry to continue to you know, lead me into other areas of, of worship ministry. Yeah, and I, I certainly, I think a proper Christian world and life view requires us to affirm that all vocations are vocations as unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. And whether we are framing houses or running businesses or preaching sermons, uh, we need to do it as unto the Lord. Now, Josiah, you, your... Um, I guess pastoral gifts probably overlap mine in some respects, and they're also different in some respects. You finished your, you know, your master's degree, so you got a goodly amount of education in in theology. Your wife has a master's degree as well. You met in seminary. You um, you've helped uh, plant a church, and now you're taking on a full time role in another church as a worship director. Did you ever feel any pressure? How did that all come about? And and um, how would you 
what, what counsel or advice would you give to fathers that are trying to give their own sons direction in terms of ministry calling, in terms of vocation? What, what are your thoughts in that regard? Yeah, I, I would say the same thing as Levi and Simon. I never felt pressure from uh, mom or dad on needing to be something or needing to be uh, or needing to pursue a particular career choice or vocation um the we just wanted you to get a job right yeah <laughs> not stay in the basement play video games yeah. <laughs> and ideally you wanted to be a gamer no yeah that, that, that was one thing that there's not a christian calling i yeah, would have beat up that one <laughs> after that career path was uh discouraged i <laughs> pursued other things um you yeah, know I, I never felt pressure from you guys i Funnily enough, I think I probably put a little bit of pressure on myself in early high school to not be a pastor just because I was afraid of what other people might think about me. Um, it was just a, a fear, fearing what what people might think. Oh, he's just becoming a pastor because that's what his dad does. Uh, and and so I um, looked at other things, and I, you know, nothing really jumped out to me. Funnily enough, I don't know if I've ever told him this or not, but the person that actually convinced me that I should go to Bible college was Chris Eelman. Uh, he was my youth pastor at the time. And I just remember ta having a conversation with him in the youth room, I think during my uh, high school co-op, just about what vocation and calling meant. And he, he again didn't say, I think you're called to do so-and-so. He was just talking about how he had become to come to understand calling and the Lord's calling on his life. And that conversation kind of was the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak on my decision to go to Bible college and pursue pastoral ministry. Um, so thank you, Chris. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I never felt pressure from anyone other than really myself. It's good. Right on. Now this, this podcast is primarily about, father and son relationships, but I, everybody knows that mothers and sisters and other people have a huge influence on who we are. So just for a few minutes, I'd like to maybe have you talk about mom. So what, when you think of mom and her influence over you, specifically in the area of affirming your manhood, we know she's a great cook. I remember <laughs> there was a time when you were very little and Mom's like, what do you like about me? Well, you're a good cooker, mom. You're a good cooker. And I remember she was kind of offended by that. Is, all, is that all they like me for? Am I cooking? I'm like, well, yeah, they're kind of young and that's all they think about. But as you guys have grown older, I'm sure there's many things uh, you're thankful for your mom for. So what would be some things about your mom, the way she parented you that helped you to be comfortable pursuing biblical manhood? Uh, in life? What were some of the tactics, things she said or did or her demeanor that affirmed you as Christian men? I think having mom, um, you know, very involved in our lives um, was beneficial. Uh, one of the areas I think that was beneficial was, um, you know, being reminded as, um, you know, as a kid and as a teenager and as an adult of the difference in, in the way that you um, conduct yourself around women. And I think that's actually very important. Um, you know, is recognizing that, um, it, that men and women are different 
And the way that you speak to mom is not necessarily the same way that you're going to speak to dad. So dad, I might joke around or, or whatever, but with mom, it's a, it's a little bit different. It's a more of a nurturing and encouraging and uh, that, that type of relationship. Um, and so I think that's one thing that's been important that, that plays one way that, that, that plays into our manhood is recognizing that being as being a man is not being all gruff and just grunting all the time and having a scruffy beard. And, and you know what I mean? That's not what being manhood is. It's also, um, well, it's, it's not that it's, it's, uh, it's much more than that and sort different that. than that, but yeah, it's sort of that a little bit of that. <laughs> a grunt, some crass simplicity yeah, to it. A, a grunt here and there is not too bad, but <laughs> no, but just recognizing that, that, um, you know, it's important to also have an encouraging and, and a nurturing side as a man and, and just knowing how to talk to women in, in that way is important as well. So yeah. Simon, I think maybe you, you and I are a little bit alike in this regard. Uh, someone asked me today, how are your, which one of your sons are the most like, like you? And I said, well, Josiah kind of is like this and Levi is like this. And what I said about you is sometimes Simon and I go a little too far in our jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, I, I can remember many times coming home from a guy's retreat or hanging out with my brothers or whatever. And I'd come home and I'd still be sort of in that guy on guy <laughs> mode. And mom would be like, uh, yeah, uh, Aaron, I just, just want to remind you, you're not with the guys anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's kind of some of what you're talking yeah, about as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I would say is just on a little bit of a different level, she showed me a lot what, what to look for in a spouse. Um, it's easy to find flaws in you, Dad, but I haven't found one in Mom yet. You <laughs> <laughs> already married the perfect woman. <laughs> no, um, I I would say, yeah, with that, she, there's a lot of things about her that I was looking for in um, in my wife, and um, Julia has a lot of differences, but also a lot of similarities in the things that I appreciate about Mom. Um, there's also a lot of times where she helped me to understand, I guess more why you were doing what you were doing in terms of disciplinary stuff. Um, she, she did a good job at explaining your heart a lot of the times. Um, so helping me understand, understand you a little better through uh, your wife's perspective as well. Um, and again, she's always been a huge encourager, um, like all of us, I'm, she sends Bible verses fairly regularly or like spirit. It's always spiritual encouragement. I don't, one thing about mom and about our aunt Ellie is you'll find their encouragement is always rooted in, in scripture. And that's something I really appreciate about both of them. And she's never since being a man, she's always treated us like men. She never has like made us feel like little boys or whatever since, mm. since being older. And so she's, she's very good in those ways. I think my mom really embodied what being a strong woman who submits to her husband looks like. Uh, just, I cannot recall a, a single critical or even slightly negative comment that she ever made about you or to you, dad. And that's not to say that she tried to communicate to us that you were perfect and flawless. Um, th that, that wasn't the case at all, but there was, there was never a sense of resentment that I, I got or, or, or anything like that. And sometimes, you know, you see in movies and TV and stuff where the mom and the teenage daughter 
are teaming up against the dad or, or situations like that. And it's supposed to be funny and whatever. But uh, I, I can't I can't recall a single moment that even remotely resembles that. Uh, Mom always showed the utmost respect for you as uh, the man of the house, but um, at the same time was not you know, weak and shriveling away. She's a strong woman of prayer and of the word and, um, you know, speaks what she thinks she, she should. Um, yeah. So uh, one thing that, uh, you said to me, but I think is mom's line that is probably the, one of the things that I think about the most often when I think about, uh, my parents influence on me is if there's a conversation that you think you need to have but don't want to, that's probably the most important conversation you need to have. Um, there's there's something in us, again, this is maybe going back to the Edenic sin where we don't want to have that difficult conversation for ABC. Um, and those conversations that we don't want to have, we really should have them. Uh, and I think that was mom's influence on you and now me. Um, yeah, and I think I'm- it's really wise. I'm I'm super grateful for her uh, influence on my life and for uh, you know she she often would in a very kind and gracious way help me to father you better, yeah. um, and that's the beauty of God's creational design, right? He's created men and women different but complementary for a reason. Now, there's a pretty good chance she will listen to this podcast, so. Back to the cooking thing. If you could make one <laughs> meal request, um, <laughs> enchiladas, enchiladas. <laughs> For uh, Levi. Good lasagna. Good lasagna. Lasagna. Just some chicken noodle soup would be awesome. Chicken noodle soup. Okay, so <laughs> you, the, the menu's been set. Good All cooker, right. mom. <laughs> yeah, good cooker, mom. <laughs> I remember that more often than not. <laughs> okay, I want to shift gears a little bit. So a couple questions. One is, you're all adult men now, and your relationship is not just you know, me to Josiah, me to Levi, me to Simon, but there's a network now that you guys have created as brothers. Now, when you were kids, you fought and you scuffled and all that sort of thing. Um, Levi and Simon live closer. Josiah lives three hours away, but there's still texts and family gatherings and all that sort of stuff. What have you guys done to foster meaningful relationships with one another as adults who are Christians and who are also brothers? Hmm. Um, I would I would say one huge, huge difference First of all, growing up, we hated each other. <laughs> <laughs> so that's normal, guys. That's normal. It's the first I'm hearing about this. <laughs> Josiah was the tyrannical older brother, and I took a lot of those traits and just uh, doubled down on them for Simon. <laughs> um, no, I, I would say a huge part is that for me is both of my brothers are very respectable men. Um, a lot of like both of them have a lot of things that uh, about them that they are way better at than me and um that I can learn from from both of them um so that that is a huge thing is just like both both of them are very godly men and they are men um Josiah is a, maybe a little softer because he's a Kitchener right now, but he's also way wiser than me and Simon, so it makes up for it. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's more he's, the, the metro life doesn't yeah. affect man over time. <laughs> um, and yeah, like Simon's a very smart and discerning guy. Listening to him talk on this podcast, I'm like, wow, this guy's got some good things to say. <laughs> um, 
But it's because I stay away from the frappuccinos and the sprinkly, <laughs> the sprinkly donuts, Joe. <laughs> um, but with soy with soy, <laughs> oat milk. <laughs> I, I would say we, first talking to Josiah, we don't really talk a crazy amount when we're not when we're not together in terms of texting and calling. But when we do, it's always a good time. And whenever we're together, we do have a good time. We generally have a good mix of just joking around, but also talking about like our actual uh, route, um, like what's going on in our lives on a deeper level. And I think we can both learn from each other on different things. There's a lot of things Josiah can teach me. And I think that there are certain things that um, I can teach him as well. And um, same with Simon, like there's, there's a lot of things we, we talk through different issues and we hang out and, there's a lot of things I can learn from him and vice versa, I think, too. So I think the the big thing is having that respect. One thing that I learned from you with your with your brothers um, is sometimes one thing that you said is you sometimes you'll ask que- them questions on something they have a lot of know-how on just to show that you value and respect your their opinion, even if you already kind of have your mind made up on something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a huge one. Um, Josiah, Josiah, um, shows a lot of respect to me in the ways that he talks to me and he doesn't treat me like um, I'm just his little brother um, in the same way I, I hope to be able to treat him like he's my older brother and give him this, that level of respect as well. And same with Simon. I I would say I did a lot of belittling him as a kid, but um, I think that we we don't – I don't – you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I try, I don't treat you as my just little brother anymore. Like yeah, we have sure. a friendship and we're, we're equals on that level and we both have things to learn from each other. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think we're lucky too. Um, just in the fact that, that we're all Christians, first of all, and and the fact that we're all like-minded in the way that we think about a lot of things, um, which I, I'm very grateful for to have you guys, um, you know, we're not arguing over little mundane things. Like we all uh, generally have have similar directions in our life, not like career wise, but in terms of you know the way that we view family and and um, and work and, and all of these things. So I think we're blessed to have each other in the sense of um, just how we view life and how we how we uh, you know how we seek to live out biblical principles in our lives. Um, and but going along with that, it's also I'm I'm thankful for both of you guys also because uh, though we're like minded in the way that we view in the in our worldviews, we also are different in our strengths and our weaknesses, and so I can talk to you and and we have um, a similar background and and we understand each other in similar ways. But there's also things that you guys think about that I don't think about, and I think there's some things that I think about that you guys don't think about, and we all have kind of different strengths and weaknesses that can play off of each other when you know, when we're talking or just hanging out or whatever that I think uh, is valuable and helpful in growing us all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when it comes, you know, I, I do live um, out of town. And so when I do get to see Simon and Levi, you know, it's a lot of fun to just hang out and joke and, uh, you know, just be goofy. Uh, but I, I do always really uh, enjoy bringing the conversation down to a kind of more deep, profound level with them. And, you know, sometimes that's, you know, reflecting on what it was like growing up or just how we're doing in our marriages or our own personal walks to the Lord and things like that. Um, 
And so I think just, you know, being generally genuinely friends with each other who, who like to hang out and laugh and joke and make fun of each other's haircuts and things like that is a lot of fun. Uh, but also having that deeper level where we're not just shallow friends with each other who stay out of the, the mess of each other's lives, but actually are willing to talk about real things is hugely important. I've enjoyed seeing you guys worship together. Um, uh, I know Simon and Levi primarily because they live down here. We're part of producing an album at our church, Pursuit of Glory, and hopefully that's going to come out in, in October. But I remember even last summer when we were camping, you guys at the picnic table and Josiah was weighing in on lyrics and whatnot. So I've, I've enjoyed seeing you guys. I know you have a common interest. You're all musicians. Levi's a drummer. Um, Josiah and Simon are vocalists and guitar players. So it's been, it's been fun to see you guys talking that talk and, you know, we'll be, we'll be at a family gathering and suddenly you guys disappear into the room, some side room to talk about the latest technological gadget or whatnot. <laughs> so it's been encouraging to see that. Now there's two other significant people in your lives and that is your, your two sisters. And, uh, your sisters are obviously very different than, than one another. Um, and uh, I know you you love your sisters and you have good relationship with your, with your sisters. I'm not sure how much you've thought about this, but your, how did your relationship with Kezia and Abby help to prepare you for marriage? We talked about mom's influence, but how did your relationships with Kezia and Abby help to prepare you for interacting with girls? I, I know your daughter's or or your um, my daughters, your sisters get along very well with your spouses. Uh, they're all friends. But what 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 influence have has your sisters played? Maybe there was some frustrations when you were younger with them. But what influence have they played on shaping your your manhood, and especially in the area of uh, marriage? Hmm. Both Kezia and Abby are wise, godly women who love the Lord. Um, and uh, they are women, and so I think one thing uh, that I that they've taught me is just how to uh, treat women well. Um, you know, Simon and Levi, if I called them fat slobs, they'd probably think that's funny. Whereas <laughs> I don't think that would go over the same if I said those words to my sisters. And uh, in in the same way, you know, I've never said that to Rachel. And I, uh, that's good, that's good. I don't think that's true. Yeah, and she's not. <laughs> she's damage not. control, damage control. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but anytime I, I think I, growing up, overstepped how, or, or mistreated them in, in one way or another, um, they did let me know. And some, sometimes that was a long while later and sometimes that was immediately. Um, but just, just those the consequences of ticking your sister off aren't usually that <laughs> significant, but still being reminded, because I have two sisters as yeah. well, and uh, but being reminded by them that certain things don't fly, yeah. you sort of remember that because the, the, the consequences are a little more severe when you're actually married. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're good at helping me figure out what I'm supposed to get, Julia, for gifts. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, with that point, it's like, it's fun to tease your sisters growing up because the reactions are a whole lot different than teasing your brothers. <laughs> but then you learn very quickly that there are lines that are very different than the lines with your brothers. So, um, yeah, that'd be a big one. Also, Kezia, um, 
Yeah, I get Kasia um, in high school, like getting into a relationship before I did kind of seeing how she was as a girlfriend and that kind of thing, too, is like Mm -hmm. my first, I guess, firsthand experience seeing like a dating relationship up close. So learning like the positives and negatives and how to interact even in a uh, a relationship Um, and seeing the uh, the sister's reaction when. uh, when that guy is messing things up yeah that's true yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can learn from yeah. the, uh, the boyfriends how, how to be a boyfriend right? <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i think there's always i mean of course there's always like the joking and the like see how long i can i can uh can go before abby stomps up the stairs and slams her door and punches her pillow and you know <laughs> just razzing them and, and all of that there's that aspect to our relationship um but um yeah, I think I would just say probably a similar thing to to Josiah is just learning, like, obviously that's not how I treat women, but <laughs> learning how to treat women respectfully and properly and recognizing, I guess it's similar to what I was saying with, with mom as well, but recognizing that they are different and that they think differently. Um, and one thing I think that goes along with that was um, uh, in a smaller way than it is in a marital relationship, but I also, I, I do I do know that I learned as a kid um, you know, what it means to protect women. Um, it's not like I was going out and getting in fights all the time or anything like that, but just, just like viewing my sisters differently in a way, like, yeah, like if, if anything happened with with them, I view my role with them differently than I did with my brothers. Like if my brothers got in a fight on the playground, I'd be like, oh, whatever, they'll take care of it. But with my sisters, I was always just naturally a little bit more protective of them. Um, you know, I wanted them to be, to be safe and I genuinely did love them and I wanted to be there for them. Uh, and I think that's that's a a good thing um, to to have that desire to to protect them and and to want them to be safe and to feel loved. Um, so yeah, that's really good. I just like to give both Kasia and Abby a compliment in in um, their personalities and something I think I could stand to to learn a lot from them. Uh, Kasia is an incredibly patient person. Uh, she doesn't get razzed super easily Uh, it takes a lot to get her unnerved and impatient and kind of losing her cool and uh, i think that's something that she is a massive strength for her that i could really learn from and she's married to daniel newsom so that says enough yeah (laughs) (laughs) what i said just goes tenfold you just Uh, just got crashed you just got trashed there danny boy (laughs) i love you danny and and Abby, I think, has a places a huge value on friendships. Uh, she recently flew down to Texas to see a friend, and I would never do that. <laughs> um, I, I but I, I think I'm just watching her and how much she loves her friends uh, has just been a good reminder for me to kind of keep up with with uh, friends and placing a, a priority in that area. Um, yeah, both of them. I can stand to learn a lot from them in those areas. Yeah, I think you guys were blessed with sisters that are, they both love Christ equally, but they're different. Like Kasia yeah. is a is a quieter woman, but she's a very deep thinker. Um, you know, I, I sort of call her our, our very deep well. Uh, she's She's very thoughtful and I think observes a lot of things about people that more chatty people might overlook. And she also has the grace and, patience that her her mother has abby is um 
I would say a, a natural leader, uh, an influencer and a very responsible manager. So I think, you know, if I, if I ever asked her to do something, I wouldn't have to think, I would have to worry about her forgetting it. Like she would just, she would get the job done and she was very, very responsible in that regard and still is. So I think it's, it's been a blessing to see you guys influence your sisters, but also to see their very different personalities influence and, and bless you. And, mm -hmm. and again, I'm delighted that Kasia and Abby and Rachel and Julia and Natasha are all friends and all have, um, you know, they seem to have a really good time um, with one another. Well, here's where we want to land the plane. Uh, someone asked me, what are some one-liners <laughs> that uh, you guys might remember uh, me saying when you were growing up? I'm, I'm not sure why they wanted me to ask this question in particular, but what are some one-liners? What are some memorable statements that I made as a father that sort of stuck with you? Well, if you want the, the, the good list, you'll have to come up and ask me in person. But um, <laughs> the, yeah, that uh, might be, uh, <laughs> might not be appropriate for a podcast with people that don't know us well. <laughs> the, um, the more profound one in regards to the, it goes along with the conversation we're talking about is he, he always said, I'm raising my kids to be adults. I'm not just raising kids. Yeah. So raising us as to, to get us to adulthood at 18, not at 32. Um, yeah, so raising, ra I'm raising adults, not kids. The one for me that sticks out is probably one that's very familiar with most of the listeners is uh, you always say the mission of God is the glory of God. And that's a great line. It's true. I think the reason it sticks out to me is because I, I've just seen you live it out so consistently throughout all of growing up. Uh, it's not just something that you say to people at church to be, because you're their pastor, because it's, you know, memorable and it, it is truly something that you believe. And I think is, is probably a, a, a guiding mantra for your life in a way. Uh, so the mission of God is the glory of God is all like is immediately is the one liner that sticks out to me. Yeah, and for me, we, we mentioned it previously, uh, but don't ever say no to me. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I joked that um, we all maybe said no once and never said no again. <laughs> but uh, no, that, I think that was actually um, a valuable lesson that, that we um, were taught was that um, you know, us as your children had to respect you as, your, as our parents. And so... Uh, we we never said no to you. You know what you said went. Yeah, you were our authority figures, and um, you know we we wanted. You always fostered um, this idea that that you are our parents. Uh, you're not just our friends. That was another thing that you always said. Like I'm I'm your parent. I'm not your friend. And uh, of course we can we we still had good times together. But um, at the end of the day, uh, as your children, it, it is our job to respect you and to listen to what you had to say because um, you know you're the parent. And we aren't so. Well, I hope our, our conversation has been a blessing to our listeners. Um, we're all learning from one another. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out as I go. I, I've entered into a new era now of being a granddad and trying to figure out what that all looks like. It's, it's super cool. But um, we're all learning from one another. And I, and I hope that some of the lessons that I've learned, some of which have come easy and many of which have been difficult, will be a blessing to our our listeners and also to to you three guys as you uh, progress 
uh, as fathers and husbands. And I hope uh, for the young men that are listening that this will stimulate in you a, a desire to pursue a meaningful relationship with your dad and also to look forward to the day when God will, uh, Lord willing, permit you to be a father. And always keep this in mind too, even if you don't, even if you don't have the opportunity to be a biological father to someone, there's still a lot of young men. I was blessed by many older men that spoke truth into my life that weren't my biological father. So there's still lots of opportunity to mentor and train up the next generation for Christ. So hopefully this has been a, a, a blessed time for you. And Josiah in particular, I want to thank you for making a three-hour trip down for uh, to participate in this podcast. And we're looking forward to seeing what God has in store for you in your new uh, ministry endeavor. And for Levi, thank you for uh, setting up the technology here and making it happen. Uh, we, we we really appreciate your your initiative uh, in our church and uh, your your abilities to make things happen. So thanks for participating. And Simon, thanks for taking time away from your uh, your young bride to uh, to <laughs> hang out with your your buddies tonight. We appreciate that. So uh, God bless, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, having you join us uh, in the future for another episode of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock. Well, I'm so grateful that Aaron took the time to sit down with his sons and record this message for us. Thank you to each of you who have tuned in this week. Hopefully you've been blessed by it, have been equipped, and have even been challenged to think a little bit more deeply about the father and son relationships and how impactful and important those are. Just a reminder to you, if you have not yet subscribed to the Leadership Now podcast, doing so would be very helpful to us. It would also be great to uh, make sure that you don't miss any of the important episodes that come out. We'd also love for you to share this podcast with others. Word of mouth is the best way for things like this to get out and to get to more people. And we would also encourage you to rate the podcast if you are able. Just a reminder that this podcast is available both on the pursuitofglory.org website, as well as over on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. If you head over to the uh, website, fightlifefeastnetwork.com and type in Leadership Now, you'll be able to find it. And they also have an app that you can download called Pub TV, Pub TV. And just make sure to get that downloaded and subscribe there and you'll be able to get each episode delivered right to your phone. We hope you'll tune in next week to another episode of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock.